Welcome to episode number six of Stockholm Tech, the podcast that brings you stories from the people and startups on the Stockholm tech scene. In this week's episode, we got to meet with Per Anders Legerid, CTO of the Swedish company Epidemic Sound. We jump into topics such as where it all started for Per Anders personally. We also jump into a bit deeper into the company that he's currently the CTO of, Epidemic Sound. And we will also be digging a bit deeper into what being a CTO exactly means. I'm your host, Willie Simonson, and with me in this episode, I have my co-host, David Bozin, as well. This is a great episode, so let's get to it. Episode 6 of Stockholm Tech. Okay, um, welcome to the show, Stockholm Tech. Um, per Anders Legerid. Is that the pronunciation of your name? I'm, as a Swede, I'm not even sure. That, that was perfect. That was perfect, yeah? actually. Perfect. Awesome. I usually awesome. say, you can say, you can, use, you can say PA if you like, and people PA. that doesn't speak Swedish become like, they, they look relieved <laughs> when I say that, but you did it perfectly. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, so they, I, can, they, I, I can try doing it, except I think that I'll be doing you and more so myself a disservice. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to put our listeners, in, you know, to that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, yeah, let's let, let's move on so that I don't start making a fool of myself. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the show. And, you know, for, for those who don't know too much about you, could you do a quick introduction of yourself, your background, what you've been up to? Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, yeah, my name is, as you, we have already established, Per Anders Legerid, or PA. Uh, I'm the CTO of Epidemic Sound. Uh, before that, uh, I, I was working at a, a startup called Video Plaza. Uh, who was an ad server, they owned by Oyala now, so the ad serving uh, is still kind of intact with the, with the same team and so on, but they go with a different name now. Um, and uh, for that, I, I, I was briefly working for a, a consultant firm, but before that I went to KTH, which is like the technology school of Stockholm, and I guess that's the reason why I'm here too, in Stockholm. Uh, I actually from the from the from the countryside or the forest. Uh, okay. It's actually in the middle of Sweden, the but forest. everyone else in Sweden calls it the north. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're we're a very tall country, very long. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the forest in the middle. Yes. Interesting. So so that's actually one of the the questions that I'm. I think it's very relevant to the show is that how did you find your way to Stockholm? Was it because of the, the school and KTH, the technology school? Or how did you end up here? Was it the obvious choice for you as a tech person? Uh, definitely not, to be honest. Uh, since, uh, uh, and this is probably be me more being ignorant and ill-informed, but uh, I wasn't really thinking about uh, higher education at all when I was in uh, what we call in Sweden, Sweden gymnasium or high school. Uh, I, had, I just didn't have a real plan, but then I went to something with uh, a pilot program that like uh, AMS, which is kind of like uh, a part of the state in Sweden, help you get work. They, they showed me how to program 
uh, and I just fall in love with it uh, again. I, I programmed as a kid, but uh, didn't really think of it as a career. So when I realized that I actually could get paid to do programming, I just started to looking for, uh, look start looking for schools, and then I just find found KTH. Uh, so uh, I wasn't definitely not a plan. Like I decided like. Uh, you know, in a in a couple of weeks, and I hadn't really thought about it before, uh, but I haven't looked back since. I, I actually I'm loving it now, but it was definitely not a plan. Okay. So uh, yeah, that's interesting to hear. So at what age did you say you started developing programming? Sorry. At what age did you start programming? I I did uh, I did program as a kid. Like I don't know yeah. which age, but like ten, nine, okay. ten, something like that. Then I start uh, like everything else took over sports and whatever. Uh, so when I when I was finished uh, with my uh, with school, I simply didn't know what to do. But then uh, randomly I got uh, offered to do a programming course, and I just like whoa, this is so much fun, it was as fun as I remember it. But then yeah. they also told me, which was I guess the key, that that this is actually a, a job and a career you can have. And, yeah. and then everything turned serious, and I start applying to technology schools. Or you saw dollars, well, actually, I just applied to one. <laughs> KTH. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's a good school. It's uh, it's one of the the best ones, right, in Sweden. Um, it's the one that people talk about um, getting getting developers from there is uh, is what you prefer here in Stockholm, I guess. Um, yeah. So. You studied at KTH, and then what? How did you? Was it easy to like get a foot inside the tech industry after that, or what was your experience after it? To get into the the, the tech industry as a programmer, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, it's I, it's kind of almost hard to stay out of it. Uh, like, uh, talk Stockholm uh, the last couple of years, not always, but like in the last ten years at least, it's it's like it's been a. The, the 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 startup scene but technology in general has been booming especially for software developers so uh, quite a lot of my friends and sadly me included uh, actually quit uh, before we finished our our masters of okay. the reason so it's kind of almost opposite like it was hard to stay out so many yeah. cool things going on uh, and people yeah. wanting uh, to hire you and not me specifically, but like as software developers in general. Yeah. So, so at uh, during your time at school, did you you got um, people like coming for you, like uh, hunting hunting you you down to to get your software development skills? Or uh, at that point already, or was it like when you were actually studying? Yes, kind of, kind of. Yeah. But I, 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 I guess it's much more like that now. They were, they were very present at my time, and some, some also reached out. But I think it's probably more aggressive nowadays. Okay. Yeah. So and uh, again, uh, to go back to that, uh, where did you, where was the first place you ended up after school? What, what company in Stockholm? I was a small consultant firm that basically I, I didn't really know too much about and they basically called me because I was the I was a part of like um, uh, how do you say that uh, it was kind of like a we wanted to teach engineers to be like uh, 
not only do good technology, but also like uh, think a bit about what that technology did for the world and so on. Um, uh, so we, we, we did a, uh, a lunch uh, seminars and so on where like people from the industry that also uh, applied other things to, to the technology than just technology. So like how can you help the environment and stuff like that. And, uh, and then one consultant firm reached out to me. Thanks to they found me through that, and I was the only software guy. And they said that they had uh, projects that uh, they thought would be interesting to me. Thanks to that, but <laughs> I actually ended up like uh, doing projects on like how who is your customer, even if so th that this company had kind of two legs. One was. Uh, that they did this in environmental things, in environmental projects, but they mostly used other t kinds of engineers and software engineers for that. So when I actually was hired, I ended up doing uh, like how to get to know your customer and so on. So like we took data from their sites, we took data from their um, transaction records and uh, applied um, demographic data on top of that and try to make sense of their customers basically and see how different marketing campaigns and so on uh, paid out. Okay. Uh, but since they weren't a software company, it was, I, was, uh, I was either one or one of two developers when I worked there. I, I kind of felt that I kind of wanted to work in a, a, a real software development company. It was, this company was interesting, but it wasn't really... Uh, I wanted to like uh, see how it was to work in a company where with what had a lot of colleagues that, uh, that did software development, but also like that that the company itself kind of understood uh, software. Uh, so then I ended up on the ad serving uh, uh, company called uh, Video Plaza. Yeah. Okay. And how for how long did you stay there? What exactly is Video Plaza? I've heard of the name, but uh, I'm not sure what they're doing. So. But like, when uh, the TV industry starts moving on, uh, move from uh, the regular broadcasting to like actually sending stuff online, they, they needed a way to monetize that, uh, and Video Plaza were that ad server basically. Because uh, when you do commercials in a regular TV show, like in the days you just you just or nowadays too, I guess uh, you just schedule them. But when you actually have a viewer coming into your page and watching your, your uh, videos, you can decide which commercial you should show and you can make decision, decisions based who that person is and which time of day it is and etc. A bunch of rules. And that's what yeah. basically Video Plaza provided to, I guess, the broadcasters of Europe. Uh, I think they for a while had like half of the big broadcasters in, in, in Europe using their um, technology. Okay. And after Video Plaza, you ended up where? Did you go to Epidemic Sound, where yes. you are right now? Okay. Yes. So Vid when Video Plaza got bought by Ojala, which is a, a video platform from US, uh, I kind of felt that I, yeah, was time for me to move on. Uh, they, they yeah. I think that was a uh, Video Plaza and Ojala was a perfect fit. So it was a, it was a uh, great merger. Uh, but that's kind of, in a way, made it easier for me because it felt like we have won. <laughs> so it was time for me to move on. Yeah, got it. Okay, interesting. We'll go way deeper into uh, the story of Epidemic Sound and, and everything around that um, a little bit later in the episode. Um, just a few more questions around you. Um, 
as you as we all know now you are in Stockholm at the moment um working there um have you had any you haven't been abroad then i guess you haven't had any time to to like working in other tech communities around the world or have you ever got the chance to not really except for like visiting clients yeah. with different companies and so on um uh, no not really i did a short intro uh, <laughs> Internship in in Mozambique, but I don't, I don't I can't really say that I understand their market really well. I was only there for two months. That's the only okay, real it. abroad experience I have. Okay. Anywhere you want it, would like to work? Uh, any place that you would be interested in? Oh, many many places I would say. Uh, uh, both here in uh, in Europe, but in US and Asia too. Um, uh, yes, oh, definitely, definitely. But there's so much timing and stuff like that. So, and, and to be honest, I'm, I'm not too concerned uh, like by the specifics. I'm, I'm not looking for any specific countries or cities right now. But if everything fall, falling into place, I'm very open to it, uh, definitely. Okay. Awesome. Awesome to hear about you. I think we'll uh, have a small break and then we'll get back to talking about Epidemic Sound. You are the CTO of Epidemic Sound at the moment, and um, yeah, just to you know, get the the listener um, informed about this. What exactly, in detail, is Epidemic Sound? Uh, I, in its in its simplest form, is we basically make and sell music. Uh, from the beginning, that meant that we made music for the TV industry. Uh, but more recently, we, we kind of uh, provide music to almost all kind of companies nowadays. At least the companies using uh, mu- uh, use videos for either commercials, trainings, or uh, just that that's a core part of their business, like a YouTuber. Uh, we also, nowadays, for bigger clients that has retail stores, we actually uh, provide music to their stores too now. Um, Interesting. So you guys actually provide playlists like on an ongoing basis, or is it for very specific things? Uh, so for for from from for for the TV industry before, like the, the, the they basically uh, edit their music themselves. So we provided the music, then added that on top of their TV shows and their movies and so on. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically what most of our video like music on video clients do. So we, so we, in, the, in, their, in that case, we don't really help them of, except for recommendations and so on. Uh, but they do the editing themselves. We provide the music. But for the in-store music, we sometimes, uh, not sometimes, like in, in many, in most cases, actually, uh, we also sell the curation to them. So like uh, when you have a store and you want a, a certain feel when a, when a uh, customer comes into the store, we help them with creating that feeling with with music, basically. So in the in, so in the in store music case, as we call uh, that business area, we uh, we definitely help them with playlists and branding. Okay, so um, another question around that would be like, what what would be the main problem you're solving for for the customer? What would be the primary use case um, that you see 
like daily is that you know helping media people in media um get music that is that what you would kind of describe it yeah so, so legally i mean then legally get to have music in their videos and and uh and uh, and movies and commercials yeah so what we're trying to do is basically to provide quality music in a simpler way than it's been done before so the, the big the big thing is basically how our business model and licensing work and that's basically that you pay for usage not for viewers and listeners meaning yeah. that uh, you don't need the old administration uh, around keeping track of how many views you had and which platform you have released on so when you're when you're a customer of us you basically pay for how many seconds you use not for how many viewers you have or uh, listeners in, in your case for example uh, which makes everything a lot more simpler since since you basically you pay upfront basically uh, okay. and we do that thanks to the fact that we uh, first of all we control the licenses this is all all our music is our own and uh, so the composers that and and uh, musicians that work for us they 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 write music for us, okay. uh, so we don't represent them. They write music for us. So so we so we pay them upfront too. <laughs> so okay. so to, for the business model to work, we pay, pay the musicians and the composers upfront, and we get paid by our uh, customers upfront. Interesting. Yeah, I can see the problem um, being solved there and like made a lot simpler. Uh, the solution made a lot simpler than existing. I, I know myself when if you do a video, you want to put it on YouTube, uh, maybe you do a podcast, you want to have some intro music, whatever it is, type of media you're creating. Uh, maybe you just do a simple Google and try to find is there any stock audio, some stock music out there that I can just put in here um, that I can use legally. Uh, but usually it's uh, rather bad quality stuff um, because it's free. Um, it's not the best stuff. but um, if we can package that in a way and have a lot, a big database with a lot of great stuff, um, I can see the, the, the great potential there for the customer. Yeah, uh, uh, and, 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 uh, that's a very good point. Like without the quality of the music, all the shenanigans we have done with licensing wouldn't be worth anything. Uh, and, and since we started with the TV industry, uh, we, like, we didn't sell to all the types of uh, customers we have nowadays from the beginning. First five years of Epidemic was basically us providing music to the TV industry. So the, and that's, a, of course, been a great help for that because the quality requirement were there from the start. Um, but after those five years, we realized like, the, and, and our founders are from the TV industry. So they, that's the reason why they started this. And the, uh, the quality come from that, the, the second part of our founders come from the music industry, uh, but after five years, they they start thinking about like now we kind of have proven that this works since we have a bunch of broad, basically had most of the broadcasters in Sweden already, uh, but there are few per country and so on, and um, takes time to sign them and so on. But they realize like this is a problem that's basically true for anyone that using music to something. And then where we added all the other business areas we have right now. So how long in total has it, Epidemic Sound been around? Is it a 2009 it started? Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. 
And how long have you been with the company? I've been uh, with the company for almost two years. Uh, and I'm also a part of like the kind of the second half <laughs> of uh, epidemic, if you like. So like, like I said, the first five years, uh, we basically provided music for the TV industry, which was a great uh, venture in itself. Uh, but as I said, like we, after those five years, or my colleagues, not me correctly because I wasn't here, but they realized that there's so much potential in this for in, in so many other business areas. Uh, so then we uh, like basically changed gear and added, uh, started selling to a bunch of different clients. So companies in general, basically. So the, the salespeople could, could not only sell to um, the TV big uh, broadcaster, they can also send to other big companies. But we also start selling our music online so we could reach like medium sized and small companies too. And that, of course, open up for uh, the long tail TV or the, the new TV or whatever you want to call that and YouTube, which has kind of been our recent success. Like uh, um, we have hundreds of uh, thousands of YouTubers now using our music. Yeah. yeah, that's really blowing up right now, YouTubers and that type of content. It must be a really great business opportunity for you guys. Yes. Yeah. And, and then so, in parallel yeah. with that, we, of course, started the in-store music business too. Got it. Uh, another question around this is, what's the main competitors? Is, is your model of, and way of doing it, is that unique to you or... Have people copied you since that, or what's the what's your main competitors? Are there in Sweden or internationally? Or uh, so we don't have anyone that's I would say directly our competitors for everything. Uh, we have a bunch of competitors though, <laughs> of all yeah. kinds for different business areas. So like depends a lot like where which the customer is. So no direct competitors that, that like have copy us uh, completely. But for example, when in the TV industry, of course, have all their like the regular music industry and both uh, like songs they want to add because they're like known in some way or uh, like you know like the production music companies, which is usually both exist on its own, but also like our branches of regular labels. Uh, online, we have a bunch of competitors uh, that kind of have simplified the licensing, but still haven't uh, managed to, usually uh, haven't managed to solve the, um, how you handle collecting societies and so on. Um, so we don't have any direct competitors, but we have a lot of competitors, of course. Yeah. But we usually, we usually compete on uh, slightly different, uh, uh, in a sli slightly different way with our competitors. Yeah. What would you say is the main competitive advantage that you have when compared to to them basically that we have combined the the, the simplicity uh, of um, uh, our licensing with great quality music uh, yeah. it's, it's as simple as that i would say that's our, because we can reuse that in so many areas of course uh, everything around that we're also trying to be great at so like we're trying to have great sales people <laughs> we're trying to have a great technology product that's easy to use and easy to understand and easy to find music in and so on. But I, I would definitely say that the core for us is still that we, uh, we, we uh, in an easy way, pro provide quality music to, to almost everyone, <laughs> in a way. Got it. Okay, um, so you, maybe we already um, talked about it, but uh, you are the CTO of Epidemic Sound. 
Um, were you hired as the CTO or, or have you sort of climbed your way up uh, in, within the company? Uh, I, I wasn't hired as CTO. I've been a CTO for a year now. Uh, but I would say that uh, uh, the, the big thing that's changed when I become CTO was that I um, uh, took over responsibility for the for the tech teams, uh, the personnel and the developers. But even before that, I, I was kind of hired to like um, organize how we work in, in tech. I don't even remember what my title was before, but uh, basically uh, how, how we should organize our, our tech department, especially since we kind of uh, made a transition from um, being quite heavy on sales and uh, with salespeople uh, to becoming more and more of an online shop. Uh, so uh, then, of course, need to build a strong tech team. So in a way, the tech team is kind of like a startup in a startup. Uh, okay. But we uh, were, uh, but we are, of course, a, a working company with actual music from the start since uh, yeah. that the, the, we have been uh, running as a company for eight years. But the, um, the online sales is, in comparison, I would say, is pretty young. So yeah. it, when you work in tech, it feels like a much younger company at Epidemic. It feels much like a much younger company uh, than the whole company. So yeah. I was kind of hired to, to be a part of changing the structure of the company to be more product focused to uh, how to grow and stuff like that. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So those are basically the two parts, right? That, and where it started was that you had salespeople who reached out to these, these companies and media uh, companies um, and wanted to sell the service, right? And now you have a, um, an online, uh, a digital platform that they can sign up to any time, right? And that's the sort of the, where you want to head in the future? Um, yeah, yes and no, I guess. Like, we definitely want online sales to be, uh, become a bigger part of our business. That doesn't mean that we don't want to stop uh, helping our, uh, our clients that we have uh, the broadcasters and the big clients that the salespeople use. Like we want to keep both, but we yeah. want our own uh, our web page to be the best salesperson for small and medium-sized uh, businesses, of course, uh, including yeah. YouTubers. So, so yes, we. But we. That doesn't mean that we don't want to stop growing on the other parts. But yes, we're focusing a lot on online right now, and becoming more international and so on. Okay. So how big is the team over there now? Um, your tech team, for example, how many are you developing? Uh, I think we, I think we become 12 in, uh, we, we, sorry, we be, will become 12 in two weeks. Uh, and in the end of the year, we will probably be 19 or something similar to that. And we were six in September. So it's pretty dramatic uh, growth for, for the tech team specifically. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, just another question around the, the team and like the company in general. Um, how is there any type of hierarchy within the company uh, that you can notice? I know that Swedish companies are um, commonly, mo mostly they're, they're very flat uh, without any type of hierarchy. 
but yeah the question um is do do can you feel can you notice a hierarchy within it or is it kind of flat i i would say it's it's a very flat company um both like it's a startup which kind of makes it flatter. It's, it's a stock uh, like a Scandinavian company which makes it flatter. And so now when we have uh, tech growing, so within the team, tech team, with them, but where I work, of course, tech in itself is also usually pretty flat. <laughs> so yeah. yes, it's a very, very flat company. Uh, so basically in tech team, everyone is a developer basically. Uh, and we organize ourselves uh, into the products we build or the, pr the products we do. Um, and, and that's basically all the hierarchy we, we need. <laughs> yeah. And, and to, 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 uh, un until now, we haven't even had like teams where just like broken out products when needed. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, we'll do a short break and we'll mm. be right back. So now I would like to talk a little bit about just being a CTO at a startup. I know we touched a little bit upon this previously in the episode, um, but yeah, just to start everything off here, um, what exactly is a CTO? For those who don't know, maybe there's people listening who is not in the tech industry. Um, what exactly is a CTO? Yeah, I think it's very different depending on which company you are in and which size of the company you are in. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, so uh, and, and and I have only been in, in pretty small companies uh, that, because that, that's kind of the person I am. So then when the companies start growing, I usually <laughs> usually move on. So I, I, okay. I, I can't really uh, talk with confidence uh, on like really big companies. But uh, uh, what I do day to day, at least, is uh, of course make sure. Uh, that that everyone in the team uh, are happy and so on. So it's a lot of like taking care of people. Uh, it's also nowadays since we're growing so fast, it's a lot of um, uh, for me. It's a lot of hiring. Uh, but on top of that, of course, you have the technology. But I, I'm I'm more trying to be be um, uh, helping others uh, to. To do that than actually doing it myself. I, I, for example, don't code too much anymore since the team grow beyond five. Uh, now it's more about like making sure uh, that we have a plan for technology and so on, and potentially uh, be a part of reviewing some solutions and so on. But that's basically as close as I get to technology now. Like the actual technology is usually made by other people. Okay. Okay, and just to clarify for 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 listeners who who are not uh, very uh, informed about it, CTO means uh, means uh, Chief Technology Officer. Um, just to clarify that, um, I know that we can use within the industries you use these uh, these short uh, format naming sometimes. Yeah, short, shorter <laughs> uh, shorter ways of explaining it. One of the questions actually that that I do have around CTO: How has it changed? Um, from when you started being a CTO to where you're at now, and what are you trying to change moving forwards? 
whether it be from the company, but also how you see your own role evolving? Um, so I actually were working as a developer too in the beginning when I was a CTO. Uh, so, but they got like uh, the actual, what we call commits, the actually, com like the actually um, the, the tasks I did were fewer and fewer. Uh, and um, so I think that will just continue. I, I think I will become more and more distant to technology and more and more about taking care of people and so on. Uh, another thing that's changed for me, and I'm not certain that this is very typical for a CTO. I also been uh, acting as a product manager in, in, in when I were uh, working at Media Plaza. So I focused a lot on the actual product process too in the beginning. Um, both as my first year in academic and as my first time as a CTO, uh, and I didn't say that before. But like when when I was hired, like I said that I was uh, I was partly hired to uh, actually restructure the, the tech team. Uh, but the 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 the, the, the current CTO was a, of course a part of that transition too, and so we in a way we kind of switched places. My former uh, position before I started Epidemic was as a product manager, and he was a CTO now, and he wanted to move against uh, becoming more of a product owner, which he is nowadays, and I wanted to transition him back to technology. So we kind of, um, kind of did a switch after a year. Uh, so so I, I don't think, I don't know how, if, how typical it is that the, that the CTO you are, are product focused in companies I've been working in, with CTOs I've been working in, and has been uh, different. Uh, some are very product focused, some are very technology focused, and I've uh, met CTOs that only handle technology. Then they don't uh, have like uh, they are not responsible for the, the the people in the team. They're just responsible for part of the technology. I wouldn't, it's not too um, uncommon. I've met startups that has CTOs like that. When potentially, like the one of the founders are the CTO, so basically, like a technical founder or something turning into a CTO that continues to focus on the technology for a, uh, for a long time, and then they potentially never like take over responsibility of the team. Maybe they have some kind of other uh, person that handles like the the personnel. Um, and if you have a, 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 a CPO. Uh, then potentially you don't need to act as much as uh, with so much uh, uh, care too much about the product as you do if you if you don't have one. So I think it's a lot about like how the company is structured, which people uh, are a part of it, and yeah, especially when you're growing because uh, when you are a really small company, everyone's kind of doing everything anyhow. Uh, then I think these kind of uh, Roles are looser, so I, if if anything, like with size, I think my uh, role will be more and more focused, more and more technology, more and more personnel, helping other people to do work rather than actually doing it myself. Even yeah. even if I still love and do it on my minimum spare time, but <laughs> but uh, but when uh, at work, I rarely. Uh, have time and uh, the ability, or uh, sorry, 
not maybe the, I hope finally have some ability left, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the time to do it. Yeah. Uh, another question around like the managers at the uh, epidemic then, are you, um, what's your relation there? Are, are, do you, do you keep in touch like all the time or how do you sync together with them? Yeah, we talk all the time, but of course I, I spend most time talking to uh, our Just current so. product manager, uh, which is uh, the former CTO too. Like, he, not only me, but like the whole tech team, of course, work really closely with uh, him and our designers. Okay. But of and, course, and, and, we, uh, any product we do, we also have uh, rotating stakeholders from the rest of the company, depending on which product we're working on. Uh, so we, 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 we talk to the whole company all the time. So we are only yeah. 60 people still. So we, we, we basically in, rotate in everyone. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting to hear um, a techie person who, who uh, kind of likes to manage people and, um, and want to be a CTO. Um, there sure is a lot of uh, techie persons who, who don't. Uh, who who don't like to manage people? Maybe they're not good at it either. But uh, um, what makes you? What do you think is your um, uh, trait that makes you good at it or makes you like it? Is there any specific thing you? What's your secret sauce? Yeah, if I'm I'm great at it, I don't I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I think caring is a big honest. part of it for me. Uh, uh, and liking is definitely like I, I, I like to interact with people and and then the caring I think is what makes it uh, working <laughs> so I, I think it's as in all relationship you, you want to make something good but that, that's kind of like for me for everything in a way like uh, uh, like to make the great uh, everyone in the team to have a great way of working or creating the best product in both cases I think my my biggest trait is, I, is that I care <laughs> both uh, that we have a good end result and then that uh, uh, that uh, everyone has a good time doing it because if everyone has a good time doing it I strongly believe that uh, uh, we will make a better product in the end yeah uh, I think you said before you you're also part of the hiring process. Um, what? How do you have you, you? Do you do a lot of hiring? Are you in every meeting when meeting developers, for example? I guess you are. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I kind of I, I, I'm a part of all hires. I'm trying to have like uh, other like uh, consultants work for us to like do some screening like and define leads and so on but as soon as the like the, the real process starts that we think we have a candidate that we are interested to start talking to i i am always the first person they meet then after that if that goes well i include um, other parts of the team too okay so what exactly are you looking for when um what is the right fit for for you personally uh what do you personally look for um in a, in a developer and a person on your team? Yeah, first of, of course that they should have potential, uh, uh, meaning uh, if they are slightly more experienced, they should have fulfilled more of that potential. If they aren't so experienced, they should at least be clear that they have potential. Uh, 
and, and that goes for all trades in a way, but of course, mostly technology in our case, but also like that, uh, that this is a great person, a person that you want to work with. And that we also want our developers to be what I've talked a bit about, like be very product focused. So even if I and the rest of the team are very uh, heavily invested in making great technology, we, we still think that usually you can find a, a happy place uh, where the technology is good enough, but it's really hard to like, make the perfect, or I, I strongly believe that it's impossible to make the perfect product. You always can work more on it. It's more time and, and scope that, uh, like, that limit you from improving your product and user experience. So, and we want the developers to think like that, and we also want them to be able to uh, react when we, the business side um, have a problem. And so, simple things like if we do this thing before that thing, maybe we can do this faster. Or simply saying like that, I don't really see how that makes sense. Can you explain it again to me because? I understand that this user will behave like this and that. So I want uh, the, the developers to be active in, in, the, in the product process, basically. Yeah. And then all of us in the tech team are full stack. Mean, and, and that means uh, for, uh, for non-technical people, basically that we work with all parts of the technology stack. So what you can see, uh, so the front end, but also like the business logic behind it, data, underneath that business logic and the infrastructure that keeps everything together. We, all, all our developers can do all of that. Uh, but we usually say that they should accept full stack, not that they have to be full stack. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, can, we can teach them that, but also yeah. they don't even have to have the goal to become uh, the best full stack developer. They can, the goal can be to be a front end developer, but when it's needed, uh, they should be able to help out in other places. And also kind of like, which in many other ways makes sense that like no task is too small, like whatever you think is boring, that doesn't matter. Like we, we need, if we have as a team committed to do something, we should finish it, right? Yeah. And, and the final thing uh, that's really important to us, and this is not, I, would, I wouldn't say this is the right or wrong way to work or anything, but uh, you can't really accept being a team and working a team with us. I think you have to love it <laughs> because uh, we are very, um, very much doing uh, we, we, we are, uh, as developers like we, we do something called pair programming so we sit to people a lot if we, in, uh, when something is hard or new to us uh, we do that as a pair and but we also evolve and our processes as, as a team and we kind of make commitments as a team um, so we, we work a lot uh, and communicate a lot within the team. And um, now we're many uh, enough so we're actually splitting into teams, but we only do that so we can keep up that interaction. Uh, and and uh, because when you are like, as we are now, when we're 12, then, then some of that interaction start to become cumbersome. So that's the reason why we're splitting into teams so we can keep that uh, constant flow of uh, communication going without like actually uh, making the meetings too long and the plannings too long and so on. Um, yeah. But so yeah, basically you talk... work at the pandemic in the tech Sorry. team at least, then you have to yeah. really enjoy um, interacting and solving problems with other people. Yeah. I think you, you talked a little bit before about it, um, about um, not growing too big. I think the, obviously like the bigger team you have, the harder it is to manage. 
um and what do you like you're you're 12 soon how what do you think is the limit for you personally to to be able to manage how big is a is too big um so we we actually decided that 12 was uh, too big in a way so we yeah. now we're splitting into three teams and we're trying to split on on, on product and for us that means uh, uh, a team that's handling music and data, one team that's handling our online uh, store, and one team that's handling our upcoming business area for us. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, and and the developers in those teams will continue to be full stack, and hopefully they will also be able to like be fairly autonomous, so they can they can move on with their responsibilities, slight kind of on their own, uh, and that's kind of also how we want to continue. Uh, yeah. to add teams and 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 guess that's kind of my answer to your question too so we we yeah. wanted the teams to be continuously to be small so we split into teams to be able to uh to grow and and still keep our process of working yeah but of course we need to add some overhead uh, to to um, to that because now we at least have to at least show each other what we have done and so on because some of the teams are using the same technology so when we talk within the teams, we talk about the product or responsibility of that team, which is product focused. But um, when we talk uh, across teams, we talk about technology. So like, okay, we we want to change this so we can do this and that. And then the other teams, oh, great, that sounds like a good idea. But they still need to be, uh, in, many, in many cases, need to know that so they, we don't trip on each other. So some overhead is, will be added. Yeah. Cool. Uh, a question also around, um, we talked a little bit about hiring uh, here and uh, in very close relation to that is firing. Um, have, have you had any experience of firing? Um, in Sweden, there's a little bit, um, it's not as easy to, to fire people as in, for example, the US. Um, but have you had any experience of that? And how has that been if so? Um, I actually haven't uh, uh, had to fire someone. Uh, I've been in situations, uh, not at the, in an academic, but in other companies where we didn't get that far, but we at least uh, started to have serious discussions about like, if this the, is this the right for, for you and a part of this team and so on. Uh, but that's kind of a, how I would address it, uh, especially since we are in Sweden. Anyhow, like, uh, trying to come to some kind of mutual agreement, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, like like especially when you are here in Stockholm, where there's so many great opportunities. Why should you stay in a company that you are not comfortable in? And and uh, and and you will not be comfortable if you if if it is we are on a point where like your employer actually want to fire you. So yeah. even if it's actually hard in Sweden, I. I I, I hope that that human, humane thing can solve it uh, in, in, in most situations. Yeah. Uh, and but of course, like you never want to end up in that situation. So no. um, uh, hiring is extremely important. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the important part. Yeah. So we, we basically you do that, that right. That, that we're focusing on a lot, and and even if you hire yeah. someone that ended up. Uh, realizing they want to do something else, you at least hire a person sane enough to handle that in a good way. 
like th th you can never be sure. So I'm not trying to say that like you can't end up in sauna situation anyhow. But I, I think you at least make them rare if you're really uh, careful when you hire. Got it. Okay, and, and uh, I have another question that I just came into my mind now um, about hiring again. Uh, what is the process of hiring for you? Do you have a special process that um, the developer or the, the person has to go through? Uh, any specific things in there? Yes, uh, we have a pretty rigid, uh, not rigid, but like they, they basically the same thing every time. Uh, we, we, we do some kind of meet and greet just to get the feel of the person and maybe some insights on what they know. Uh, and then we do a technical evaluation and we, in best case, uh, the candidate has something to show us. Um, and then we take a look at that and if that looks like it's enough, then we basically book a, a presentation of that. Uh, and that's also what we judge the, the candidate on, the presentation of it. So we. Like even if you have a project that looks really good and the code and the, the craftsmanship is there, we kind of want to hear you talking about it because in, in a, as I said before, we work a lot as a team. So you, have, you need to be able to communicate both with code, but also with uh, uh, other people doing, uh, do, do, <laughs> writing that code with you. So that, that presentation is you, what you judged on. If that, yeah. if that works well, uh, we we set up a team meeting and that can differ a bit if how much we have met the person before that. For example, we've had a long technical evaluation process because we need to do a, a couple of turn uh, like um, extra meetings or something that maybe the meet the team is less because then you've probably been involved with us quite a lot anyhow. But we also had to have people working with us so we make make sure that. It's not only like uh, competent people, but also that they actually have some chemistry with us. And especially if, when we have tried to hire from abroad, because then we usually just had uh, Skype conversation with them, even if that was a long, even if we had done a thorough uh, tech evaluation, we still need, want to work with them. So then we usually like let them work with us. But we also done that with people in Stockholm sometimes for different reasons uh, when we are looking for something specific or. Like yeah, especially for senior so people, you, I guess, that we want yeah. to be able to like uh, carry the rest of the team a bit. Yeah. Are you are you hiring like locally, or do you are you open to like hire people from in, to work remotely, or how do you is it, do you think it's easier to sit at the same place, that same office? Uh, we we don't uh, hire people remotely. We hire people from abroad. So, but yeah. it, then they have to commit to moving to Stockholm. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to like work, uh, uh, like has have a distri distributed team, but that's not how we work. In a way, it's kind of like the theme thing we, we have going on. It's not the only way of working, but that's just how we work. Got it. And so I think you know, to, you to succeed with a distributed team, I think you really need to have a good setup that are specific, specific for that. And if yeah, you do yeah. that, I think that could be very successful too. But that's not how we are set up. Got it. You you said you hired from abroad. Um, how how has that experience been? I know that there's been a little bit of um, 
uh, a talk around in the community, uh, tech community here in Stockholm about that aspect where it's kind of expensive to get a place to stay. Um, the um, the taxes on these um, these options um, has been a big deal in the in the media as well. Um, how many people from abroad do you have on the team? Uh, now it's not all of the people working in the team actually has a European uh, uh, Union uh, a part like uh, they have a um, uh, they are part in some way part of the European Union. Then all of these things are simpler. Uh, yeah. But we had tried we have tried to hire uh, outside the European Union too. Uh, then some of these things becomes much more complicated. And I, and I had done it in, in previous uh, at Video Plus app. I've done that. So th then it becomes slightly more complicated uh, and takes uh, um, some more time. But beyond that, like <laughs> that's one of the first thing I talked to about the with the candidate about actually. Like Sweden is cold, dark, or surprisingly dark even, and uh, yeah. it's very expensive to live here. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah basically. And, uh, and usually when they seek, seek us out, they, they kind of know stuff like this already and so on. So yeah. um, usually not too big of a deal. Uh, the options uh, I, I'm, um, hasn't been too much of a thing for us, actually. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, just a question that I also have around, like, um, what oftentimes it's like you have to prioritize and like pick what to work on uh and i guess for you as cto that's obviously um something you you uh, are a big part of um but how do you decide what to work on do you have a how do you value the difference there's a, a, a you know often it's like a lot of ideas on the table and potential things to do um uh, but how do you decide what is actually like worth doing what do you way uh, on your scale yeah exactly when, when doing the choice so I, I'm, I'm kind of setting up structures rather than actually making those decisions so the the, uh, the our product manager is is doing those making those decisions yeah uh which, which things to work on but uh, uh we set aside basically half of our development time for actually doing new development. And that's completely up to him uh, how, how we do that. Of course, I, the rest of the team, the rest of the company, the board, like all the stakeholders have a, uh, a lot of opinions about that, but uh, it's, yeah. it's ultimately his decision. And But the rest of the time we spend on basically set aside uh, time of doing bugs, we set aside time to like prepare ourselves for the future. Uh, both product-wise and technology-wise, uh, we also set aside time to like imp improve ourselves uh, as a team. Basically, how can we work even faster? Like, is the tools we need? Uh, um, is there something that need to change in the de technology set that we have so we can do the next project faster? We spend some time on that. So, um, and, and those kind of structures is more on my, my table to set up and measure yeah. and make sure that they are make sense and that we in some way follow them and so on. Uh, but like which uh, specific features we do next, that's a collaboration with the rest of the company 
where our product managers the like the have the final decision. How, how flexible do you think that should be? Uh, how how far ahead have you planned everything? Like how how long is the roadmap? We try to keep it pretty short, uh, uh, between two and four months. And even within that, we we're trying to be not like too rigid if something really important come up. But but we don't want to be. Uh, it's always a balance, right? Like if you if you have too short a window, then then that's that's more expen like. Uh, in my experience, at least, it's more ex expensive in, in, in times of resources and time to like be completely flexible. So we, that's the reason why we're trying to keep the window to two to four months. And beyond that, we just have priorities. So like between two to two to four months, it also makes like makes life easier, life slightly easier for salespeople and account managers too. If they at least have some deadlines, they can <laughs> communicate to clients and prepare messaging for and so on. So that's the reason with two to four months. But also for sale, sell, save uh, us and the, our product team uh, some time in the sense that they can like okay, this is what we are doing now. This is how we, this is what we need to prepare and this this communication we need. These stakeholders we need to talk to. These clients we need to meet. Like and this is the and for us usually like which technology should we prepare? Do we need to do something new? Is or is this just iteration of something that we already know and ha have, etc. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, totally <laughs> makes sense. Super interesting to hear about uh, a, a little deep dive into the the CTO daily life um i have a, there's a few more questions um around just the tech community here in stockholm um in general do you do you feel like you're there is a tech community that, that you're part of and that it exists around you or that you're inside of it do you do you do you notice it so to speak yes it, it i would say it's both like a startup community and a tech community which is also kind of overlapping but i, I would say I've been more. I'm more integrated into the tech community than I are in the startup community. Even if I'm, I'm kind of part of both. And to be honest, yeah. I think it's great. Uh, it's slight. Like, I'm of course biased since I'm living here. Also, like maybe a bit home blind and whatever. But I think it's compared to the size of Sweden and so on. It's surprisingly good. I would say uh, uh, both the tech and the startup community. So like when you go to meetups here, there's a lot of people and so a lot of good talks going on, and so it's easy to get information. There's a lot of um, diverse types of technology discussions going on all the time too, and I would say the same for the startup scene. It's like very few cities can really compare, and, and if you if you include like size of country and city, then it becomes very competitive. I would say. Yeah. Cool. Um... Yeah. So, are you you, you noticed you touched upon it as well? Um, tech events and so on. How do you attend those? Uh, I know some people uh, or founders and people in the industry. They 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 say you shouldn't spend too much time on it. Um, but do you, what do you think about them? Should you should you go do, and feel that you're a part of something, or should you stay away? Um, it depends. Uh, like I understand what they mean when they say they are founders and so on. Like. Uh, and also when you are ex like very young as a company like heads down is usually <laughs> a, a good way of like reaching yeah. success but for technology if you like focus specifically on that then like uh, not uh, like it, uh, the tech startups or the, or the startups uh, 
then yes and no, I would say, uh, because you, you like as a developer, you 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 fairly quickly become out of date. So you, you kind of like have to continuously learning all the time. Uh, of course, that can also you can of course spend too much time on that anyhow. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure, saying that you shouldn't like uh, focus too much on it, but it's important to like be in touch uh, what uh, the tech community is, With the is world. doing and and world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would say I would say it's more important on the tech side than the actual maybe go out and meet founders and uh, venture capital and so on. Even if that's of course important too. But yeah. when people usually talk about a balance like that, I think. Uh, I think I could be wrong, but I think they're more talking about like actually like the networking part. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think a lot of times it doesn't um, really give that much value as you expect when you go out and you think you're going to meet like really uh, amazing people and you're going to get business cards and you're going to get so much stuff. But yeah. usually it's just uh, getting away from the computer screen and doing something differently and just hang out with people. Yes. And maybe that's, that's what you should expect. Okay, awesome. Uh, I think we're about to wrap up, but uh, just a few questions that we um, usually um, ask our guests. Um, in general, what just what motivates you to get up in the morning and go to the office, or uh, just open your computer and start working? For me, it's always been like uh, creating. Uh, great things and uh, uh, and uh, like as a developer uh, you you or a tech person uh, you you get a lot of opportunity to create new things all the time uh, so for me that that uh, creativity and like uh, um, opportunity to be able to uh, build new things and create great experiences uh, for for users or business of uh, of your software is what drives me. And even if I do it slightly more indirectly now, that's that's still the big thing. And and if you on top of that add like great people and innovative ideas, of course, you and you, at least it's not hard for me at least to to get very excited in the morning. And uh, yeah. so and, and that's basically what the epidemic is all about for me too. Uh, and also the bonus that potentially is not has been as clear to me before I started here is like music is of course a very fun area to be around even if you're like not a musician yourself. I always gone to a lot of concerts and so on and you, you get a lot of that when you uh, when you're here. So for uh, for epidemic specifically all of those are true, and, and on top of that, adding the music, which I think is tremendously fun. But yeah. in, in more general terms, uh, I think the uh, creating things uh, with uh, with uh, smart people um, that enjoys doing that together with you, I think that's the more general. Yeah. And uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, and in contrast to that, um, what what scares you and kind of makes you uneasy and um, make you kind of lose motivation a bit? Uh, maybe keep you up at night? Is there anything? I'm uh, I'm 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 not too keen on being a a, a a small part of a big thing. 
usually. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually trying to get myself to try that out for real, <laughs> but I usually end up uh, moving away from such products. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. that's, I, I like being in uh, smaller companies, growing companies, innovative companies, rather than like big uh, organizations. So that's usually what, or when I stop learning, like so. So when I feel that I know something, I pretty quickly become <laughs> uh, hard to keep in place. <laughs> then I usually want to move on. So I really like when when I'm get when I get challenged. Um, anything that you would like to recommend? Um, it can be anything. Um, ooh, should have prepared on that one. <laughs> I can, I can, yeah. I can recommend two things. I can recommend two yeah. things. Uh, I have a colleague uh, that's called uh, Bruder Bruder Jon. Uh, he's just released an album. He's he's not actually one of the composers. He's actually one of the curators, but he has released an album called Cool. I would really recommend that to anyone. And uh, since I, I don't want to be the guy to re only recommend epidemic stuff, I can also recommend Iris Viljanen and her latest record, uh, Mercedes, which is also a fantastic record. Okay. Where can they find can they find this music on epidemic or is that anywhere in the world like Spotify? Uh, no, no, none of these I records are on, on on epidemic. Actually, both of these records are Spotify and whatever other uh, music uh, streaming provider you have. Okay, cool. Great recommendations. Um, and lastly, wh where's the best place that people can find you uh, on the internet, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, blog, website? Ooh, good question. <laughs> email, email. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm actually not that, uh, I, I, I like, I have a Twitter, Instagram and all that. And if, if someone reach out, I will probably answer. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. I'm very inactive on, on social media, to be honest. In Got general, it. but uh, I, I guess email, LinkedIn, Facebook, all, all of those works too. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for um, for being on the show. It was uh, really uh, a big pleasure to to speak with you. Thank you very much for having me. And that's it for this week's episode. Stockholm Tech is produced by Sodio and hosted by us, David Bozin and Willie Simonson. Special thanks goes to Peter Anderson for mixing and editing this episode and also for composing our theme music. To subscribe and listen to the show, you can easily find it on iTunes or SoundCloud. Simply go there, search for Stockholm Tech and you should be able to find it. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Stockholm Tech Pod. That's at S-T-H-L-M Tech P-O-D, Stockholm Tech Pod. Um, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We hope to see you again next week. 